0: Turn with me, please, to 1 John, chapter 4, where we find that there are two opposing spirits in this world. We know there are two kingdoms. We were in a kingdom of darkness, and we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of God's dear Son. We live in a world that has fallen. God is pleased by His sovereign grace to call some out of this world, having redeemed them with the blood of His Son. And to those who are in Christ, God gives His Spirit. He leads and teaches by His Spirit. So we have, in the passage to which we look, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Antichrist. We're going to be looking particularly in 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, where the Apostle John gives the warning, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. There is a spiritual power behind all that's being taught. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John, of course, had been warning about those whose doctrine, teaching, was foreign to the gospel of the Son of God. And God only gave one gospel. And that gospel is essential to be proclaimed. And uh, there are false gospels, but God only gave one gospel, And anything that is foreign to that gospel is destructive to the souls of men. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Not a few, many. Peter tells us many shall follow their pernicious ways. The Apostle had given a test, a test to determine whether or not one was teaching what was of God or what was of Antichrist. The test regarded the actual and continual confession of the incarnation of the Son of God, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, that Jesus Christ is in the flesh now, that God is, And man in one person is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is raised from the dead. He bears our humanity in heaven. But those to whom John wrote were not taken in by these false prophets. They'd stood firm against much crafty and articulate attempts to persuade them to adopt a different system of doctrine than was taught by the apostles. They were not deceived by the false prophets. So were these overcomers so able to withstand because they were smart or because they were able to use logical argumentation or they were Gifted to be able to debate with arguments against the errorists. No. None of that. As a matter of fact, many of the saints of God were called from those who were not very well educated or able to employ great reasoning ability against error or who were the high and mighty in the world or who held great offices in the world. Yes, there were some but not in the main. That's why the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, who were priding them in their own knowledge and worldly wisdom, had to bring them down a notch. You see your calling, brethren. They're not mighty men after the flesh, not many noble, not many wise men of this world are called, he would tell them. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are not hath God chosen. Yea, and uh, he says this is so that no flesh will glory in his presence. You see, the amount of... Of intelligence or worldly education doesn't have a thing to do with genuine saving faith it's power of God it's the power of God alone that brings and maintains the faith of his people that faith that brings us into the wondrous reality of union with the Lord Jesus Christ and as Peter could say in First Peter 5, we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Not by our own power, not by our own persuasive abilities, by the power of God. The apostle wrote to those Corinthians, said, I came to you with fear and trembling, preaching unto you Christ crucified, only preaching the gospel of the Son of God to them. That your faith might stand, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God is the author of this faith. He is the one who gives this faith. He is the one who maintains it in his people. It is life, spiritual life, in regeneration. Scripture calls that the new birth that gives the people of God alone the ability to hear the gospel savingly, the discernment to be able to test if one is proclaiming this gospel in truth, and to cling to Christ by faith alone, who's revealed in the gospel. And the scripture uses this formula to describe them. He who hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Those remain in a state of nature only. That is never begotten of God. Only bringing into this world what came from the mother's womb. Nature only. No matter how intelligent they might be, or how many soever natural abilities they might have, they do not have the capacity. To hear the divine truth of the gospel in their souls. Yet there have been many multitudes throughout the years, little education, maybe poverty stricken in this world, who had riches and wisdom beyond anything that those who were the high and mighty had. They were convinced of the truth by the Spirit of God. By an in-work of God. Not simply by human argumentation. If you're argued into the truth, you can be argued out of it. But if there is at work in your soul the Spirit of the living God... And you not only have a comprehensive knowledge of what is true. You see it by faith. You hear it. With the hearing of faith. And one thing about those who truly come to know the Son of God. Is that you can't come to unknow Him. He makes Himself known. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son save the Father. No man knoweth the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. John writes in 1 John 5, We know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And you see, it's not just a matter of knowing how reasonable or logical the gospel is. It is. But rather how true it is. Just as when we listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, incredible words when he speaks of himself. No one ever talked about themselves the way he talked about himself and declared himself to be, and it rings absolutely true in the heart. before Abraham was I am I am the light of the world I am the bread of life I am the door I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me and that truth God places in the heart And as in John chapter three verse thirty-three, he that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true; that we can completely depend upon him; that we can absolutely believe his word. And I've proved that for many, many years now. He does what he says. He says what he means. He doesn't lie. He lacks no power or ability to bring to pass exactly what he has promised. And the Lord Jesus says, My sheep, hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them, he is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What is of God in truth cannot be overcome by any amount of the persuasions of ungodly men. It's true, God uses the means of the preaching of the gospel to save those who believe, as we're taught very uh, very clearly in Scripture. But it's God who must speak to the heart. It's Christ who must speak by His Spirit to the heart. And the recognition that this is so comes to those who are given this wondrous gift of faith in Him. God who must teach. The Lord Jesus, of course, himself said that in John chapter 6, verses 44 and 45. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me, everyone in whom God works by His Spirit comes to Christ. Everyone who truly hears savingly the gospel of the Son of God comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing who He is, knowing what He has done, and offering Himself as the sacrifice for sin and trust Him. But there is truly a war for the heart and for the mind. There is a war, spiritually, for the heart and for the mind. And whatever has your heart, has you. Whatever has your heart, has you. The heart and mind produce the way in which you live. That's why we're warned in Proverbs 423, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We will make plans, we will do what we want to do if we can. And what we do and go after says what we really want and says what our heart's about. has your heart, your desires, your plans, has you. And the reason that a true believer in Christ has the complete course turnaround and finds his or her thoughts and desires and seeking and striving going after God, as they didn't do before going after His ways and a ways from the ways of the world is simply because of that miracle of new birth. When God gives a new heart, as was prophesied long before by the prophet Ezekiel, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you you, you shall keep my judgments and do them. When one truly has this new heart, because Christ is in them. Christ is in the one who is begotten of God. Genuine faith, saving faith resides in them. Life and light is in them. The capacity to know right from wrong, true from false, is in them. They're no longer of the world. They are of God. And to use the apostles' words here, they're of the truth. John is here showing why those who victoriously conquer and overcome the sinister workings of the adversary, why they do so in this most serious of all warfare, because it regards the soul of man. As he says in verse 4, you're of God's little children and have overcome them. The argument, the only one needed, because greater is he than that is in you than he that is in the world. Not only are they of a different spirit now from the world? and for, they for, They're different from what they once were, but they're of a far, far greater spirit. God dwells in his people. Isn't that a solemn thought? Even build it together for an eternal habitation of God, as we learn in Ephesians 2. God in Christ, by His Spirit, lives in His people. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of His. Christ liveth in all who are His. And there is such a different Spirit in those who are of God from those who are of the world, that we hesitate not to use the word radical difference. So radical is the difference that the same language is used to describe in Scripture the inworking of the diabolical spirit of Antichrist, of the devil himself. And of the spirit of God in his own the same language is used to describe those things those who are under the power of Satan those who are under the power and the grace of the living God they're described in the same way the prince of this world, the devil himself is said to be at work in all of his subjects he has a kingdom He has a kingdom, and all who are outside of Jesus Christ are in the kingdom of the wicked one. There are two opposing kingdoms in this world. And he's at work in the unregenerate, and that without exception. And we who are saved by God's wondrous grace now know it so because we were under the power We were translated, out of the power of darkness, brought into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We were called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And Christ is God's marvelous light. We can relate to the Apostle Paul when he writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation with the way we lived in the world in time past, in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we're by nature the children of wrath even as others we know what it is to be in sin to be lost and everyone outside of Jesus Christ that old enemy worketh in them very same language On the other hand, it says God is working in all of those who are regenerate. Philippians 2.13 It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Same language. The diabolical spirit in this world in these false prophets became the spirit of Antichrist. There's still this diabolical spirit in the world. Still in those who are false teachers. Still seeking dominance over the hearts and minds of men. And just as Christ and his ministers and has his ministers and his preachers. Antichrist has his as well. Satan has ministers. They don't come with pitchforks. They don't come with scowls. They have great personalities. High ability for oratory. able to please their hearers but what they preach is false so take notice that John is not giving a formula for overcoming false teachers He's not telling us, well, now you'd learn these things, these particular rules so you can overcome false teachers. He's not giving a how-to. He's giving a why. A why. You have God, little children, and have overcome them because. Greater... He that is in you than he that is in the world. Interspersed through this epistle are reasons why the true remain true. The word of God was not only on the sacred page oh it is it is or simply in the preaching and the teaching but it's in the heart it's in the inward part not something that we simply say well yeah I believe this is the Bible the word of God and we just read it we put it aside and we go about our daily business no we put it in here by God's grace by the work of his spirit because it was in them just as it said in chapter 2 about the young men the word of God abideth in you it Has to be our desire to put it in our heart to love it as David could say oh how love I thy law it is my meditation all the day we take it we think upon it we we come to pray over it we want it in us and it was in these the word of God was in them there was an in teaching if you please and that in teaching was by God himself That's a teaching no man can do. God uses the preaching of the gospel. He sets forth and gives forth men whom he ordains to the ministry of the word of God. But apart from God and apart from God's teaching the heart, it avails nothing. Only God can speak to your heart. Only God can implant his truth in your inward part. Yes he uses means But it's he who puts the truth within There's an interesting verse in 1 John chapter 3 verse 9 Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, we don't have time to expound that. But we can say this, that the new man in Christ doesn't sin. The sin principle remains in the flesh. It's different. It has to be overcome constantly. Why? For his seed remaineth in him. Now, that word, seed, sperma. Begotten of God. His offspring. In his likeness. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. That's the new man in Christ. The flesh isn't done away. Not yet. (laughs) They still have that warfare. Warfare. But in Christ we are created in righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians chapter 4. Our warfare comes from the flesh. Though we still have, but like I say, it's not our point here to expound upon that verse. We've got enough to expound upon in chapter 4. But in that verse, and in our verse in first John four four. The overcoming of the false and remaining steadfast to the true is only because of being born of God. And he who is infinitely greater being in the overcomers. You of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you only overcome the wicked one by being in Christ not by self-effort not by supposed spiritual strength yes we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ That's not by our growth. We're always under this warning, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We cannot depend upon ourselves in any way whatsoever. Nor our own ability. We overcome because Christ overcame. We overcome in him. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. For I am overcome I have overcome the world. We overcome in him. We overcome by him. We overcome by his spirit in us. He alone is greater than our enemy. He alone is able to defeat our enemy. He alone is able to put him to flight. He alone is able to say to those he would send out, 70 of them to preach the gospel in the cities of Israel. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be able to hurt you. It's he who defeats the adversary. It's he who alone defeats him for us. You get to one of his own, you got to first get to him. Pardon my colloquial, not going to happen, ain't going to happen. We only cling to him by faith. We only trust in his efficacious blood alone for our cleansing and our forgiveness. We only confess him as Lord alone to be among the overcomers. Said of the adversary in Romans 12 11 and of those who overcome him they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives under the death yes as Daniel clearly made known this morning in that excellent lesson that we heard it's going to get more difficult to confess him Because the spirit of the devil in this world, this diabolical spirit that controls the unregenerate, is going to work work harder and harder to produce fear in those who believe on the name of the Son of God. But blessed are ye who confess him and are not ashamed to do so. For no other reason than this, Christ lives in one. That is the reason. They have the capacity to hear and to recognize what is true. And to distinguish between what is true and what is false. I still like what Spurgeon had to say. Also to be able to distinguish between what is true and what is almost true. The most subtle The truth is in he who declares himself to be the truth. He is the truth concerning God. We know God in him. We know who he is. We know why he came into this world to save such sinners as we. We know what it cost him to redeem us from sin and unto God. We know he now lives, reigns, sovereign over all things. In him is the truth alone, apart from which all else is false, all else is perishing. There are two source spirits in the world. One is true, and one is false. And what the hearers hear reveals what spirit they are of. In verses 5 and 6. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You cannot savingly believe the gospel. You cannot retain the gospel in your soul unless you hear it in your soul. Unless there's an internal hearing of this gospel. An unregenerate soul, no matter how religious they might be, they're still of the world. They're still of the nature of the world. And as the world loves its own and so adheres it its own because it's compatible with its own the worldling loves the things which are of the world cannot bear the light that reproves the darkness The darkness of the heart, the darkness of sin, the darkness of the perverted thoughts and ways of man in sin chooses rather the comfortable complacency of its own self-pleasing ways. Sometimes it's not very comfortable to be under the word of God and the preaching of it. There are those who cannot bear the convicting truth of the gospel that reveals that the the incarnate Christ, the one who came down from heaven, the one sent by the Father, the eternal Son of the living God, and His cross constitute the only way to God. There is no other way. Had there been any other way, Christ would not have been crucified. And how big a sinner am I? How vile, how wretched. It's shown by what it took to save me. the most suffering any ever went under. To deliver me from sin and to make me his own. How about you? think of my own unworthiness and the wonder of redeeming love. Why God (laughs) would send His Son to save a wretch like me is beyond me. It lies only in His own sovereign will. only to the praise of the glory of His grace. But if God didn't spare His Son when He was in the place of the sinner, He who never sinned on the cross. What do you think it's going to be when judgment does come? No one will argue it down. It'll be fully known. There is a disturbing reality under conviction but necessary. But you see, those who are religious only, those who are satisfied with outward religion. Religious ceremonies. Religious holidays. <clears throat> I'm satisfied with those who do not bring anything that disturbs them nor convicts them. The scripture says they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They turn to fables. So, anything that modifies, changes, perverts the one gospel of Jesus Christ so that will fit their desire. To retain the world and its ways are the most deluded. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The world cannot hear the things of the Spirit of God internally. can only hear those things which are of itself yeah essentially what Paul was teaching in the Corinthians first Corinthians 2 I have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God teaches by his spirit he teaches there The spirit of man a man can understand between men but not the things of the Spirit of God The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. He can hear the world. He can hear the worldling. But he cannot comprehend and receive aright the truth of God. Doesn't even want it. Doesn't love it. Doesn't mean anything to him. Churches, so called, will seek their ministers to be of the character of themselves. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. There are many churches founded sound. That eventually, on regeneracy, took the ascendancy in those churches. And they go after those that will please them in a worldly way instead of teach and proclaim the truth of God as it clearly is in His Word. Those who are of God, who are born of God, they recognize the truth. They discern it. Hear it. As John writes in first John chapter four, verse six. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. Not just once or time past. What the apostles proclaimed, we still hear. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. <laughs> yes, he had the audacity to write that. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Who said to him, he that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sins. Those who hear don't hear because they have an intellectual ability that others don't have. They hear because they have a new nature. They hear because God has done a radical thing, a miraculous thing. Has given them newness of life. They've been brought into life. True, real life. Eternal life. So the Lord says, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. There's a new life in the one who hears and hears internally those who hear the truth, those who receive the truth, those who believe the saving gospel of the Son of God as revealed in Scripture. They do so in company with the very apostles, the the apostles of the Lord himself. And they do so with one another. It's important we understand the importance of gathering in the church. There is no replacement for it. This is not a real providential hindrance. This is where we're to be. There's something God ordained about the church that strengthens you. When you sit here under the ministry of the Word of God, if you know the Word of God and you believe it, you'll be strengthened. You'll be challenged. Where that is neglected detrimental to the souls of men. But again, those who hear the truth, they do so in fellowship with the apostles and with one another, and more so with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What a way John opened this epistle, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We who are in Christ have fellowship with the apostles and fellowship one with another and fellowship, more importantly, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Those alone will adhere to a true spirit-led ministry who hear the voice of Christ in that ministry and have the capacity to do so. Paul exhorts young Pastor Timothy. He's probably younger than you, John. Get on a ball. <laughs> well, so anyway, <laughs> Paul exhorts. Pastor Timothy, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, what you teach. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You see, he would be led by the Spirit of God. There would be an internal hearing. There would be a recognition of the truth. Before Pontius Pilate, the Lord Jesus made a solemn and infallibly true statement. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Quite a statement, isn't it? Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And so true is it that they hear his voice, that they also have an inward tuition, that tuition distinguishes between his voice and that of an imposter. <laughs> when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow. They not, know not the voice of the stranger, that's kind of unique about sheep, sheep, isn't it? You ever go and find some sheep somewhere where you, maybe you pet them in a petting zoo or something and see some sheep? Try to call them. They won't pay attention to. But a shepherd of the sheep, they call, that sheep comes. That sheep knows his voice. Who's your shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Can you in your heart really say Psalm 1? (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) The hearing, the believing, the retaining of that gospel which was preached by the apostles themselves, is of the spirit of truth. Everything is to be tested by it. Everyone proclaiming themselves to be a preacher is to be tested by this gospel that the apostles gave forth. Hearing This kind of hearing is called in Galatians chapter 6, or chapter 3, verse 2, the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. This hearing of faith brings one to trust in Christ only, it brings them to throw off all thought of any merit whatsoever and to only trust to abandon themselves as needy sinners and to realize it's only by the blood of His cross alone that they're cleansed from sin and brought to look to Him and Him only. in whom you also trusted after they heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Ephesians 1.13. And the hearers are termed in Scripture by a special term. They are the called of Jesus Christ, the called of Jesus Christ. The sovereign shepherd calls his sheep. Through the gospel, by the preaching of the gospel. In John chapter 10, the Lord showed that only his true sheep would hear and savingly believe in him. Then he showed that, that trust would be outworked in those who truly hear him with that internal hearing of faith. In John chapter 10, And we'll conclude with this passage. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. That's a definite redemption. And in verses 26 through 30, he says to some, Ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. There are those always trying to change the Scriptures and really make that say, you're not my sheep because you don't believe. But That's not what it says. It says you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Have you heard Have you heard the word of god do you believe on the lord jesus christ do you trust him alone would you be his and would you be his only all that the father giveth me shall come to me And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. May God, who only can do so, bless the ministry of his holy word. Daniel, do you have a hymn?